Thank you for listening to the Star Sports Podcast. Don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award-winning sports section that has everything a sports fan in West Cork could want. Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran and I'm joined, as always, by Star Sport Editor, Kieran McCarthy. On today's show, we have a very special long-form interview with Sky Sports Head of Boxing, Adam Smith. Adam, who is a regular visitor to West Cork with his family, is also the lead commentator for Sky Boxing and we were delighted to welcome him into the studio during a recent visit to the area. But before we hear from Adam... There's a small matter of the All-Ireland Ladies Football semi-final to preview this weekend. And Kieran, it's Cork up against Trina Chase in Dublin in Crow Park on Sunday. Um, this game has been billed, I suppose, it's been in the offing for some time now. Once we discovered the group draws for the All-Ireland series, um, Cork and Dublin were on a collision course, Jack. And um, it's no surprise that they're going to meet. It, it, like you said, it's a it's a rematch of last year's All Ireland final, and that day Dublin were strong and they deserve to win. They won three eleven to one twelve. Dublin are going for three in a row. They're the team to beat. Um, but this this Cork team will go into this game high in confidence. Cork Cork won the league, um, the league final back earlier in the year, and they beat Dublin twice in the league. The more significant more significant game in that was the the league semi final where Cork beat Dublin after extra time. Um, it's yeah, it's going to be a very very close tight game. The Dubs will start as favourites, um, but Cork Cork are building towards this game. It's been in their crosshairs for a long long time now. This is the game they've been working towards, and it's it's the game where where they they really have to perform. Um, Cork are coming into it after the back of a resounding quarter final win over Tyrone. That was seven eighteen to three four, and that was notable Jack for a couple of reasons. First off, Darren O'Sullivan scored 2-2 that day. Darren has missed, has missed a sizable chunk of this year's campaign through injury. I think she was kind of... A back injury was nagging her there for a bit. But slowly, in the last couple of games, she's been introduced. And um, she managed to, to play the full game the last day, which is a big bonus for Cork. Because Darren is a superb player. Um, one of the best forwards in the country. She's well able to score from distance too. So if a team tries to sit back and go defensive... Uh, Darren can pop her over from 35-40 yards so she's a great weapon in Cork's armour and to have her fit again is a big plus and another thing to note is Neve Cotter wasn't involved with Cork last year she was away in Canada and her studies so she's another huge addition to the Cork team this year and Neve um, from Glengariff she was on she was named on the Division 1 uh, team of the year earlier this year she broke her hand in um, maybe six weeks ago and she did miss a couple of games in the the group series of the All-Ireland but she came back against Tyrone and she scored 1-1 that day and Neve is a big plus Jack to have Neve um, back fit so you've Neve and Diren who are two huge assets to the Cork team throwing the likes of Emer Scali Orla Finn Anya Terry and the like then like Cork have plenty of firepower up front um, I remember Breed Stack a couple of weeks ago 
when she was talking about this game she was she kind of built it up as kind of a it's the clash of two superpowers kind of and she's right they're the two best teams in the country going to go head to head I know Mayo and Galway are in the other semi-final before on on Sunday but you would be thinking whoever wins between Cork and Dublin they will be the favourites for the All-Ireland and uh, so the winner of the All-Ireland may well as you say come out of the Cork-Dublin game but you mentioned Dublin will probably start at favourites amongst amongst most pundits and possibly the bookmakers as well but you've listed off some fairly strong reasoning there for why Cork have a have an excellent chance of winning this game. So, prediction time. In your own opinion, do you think Cork are going to be likely winners on Sunday? I think Cork are moving in the right direction. Like I said, they've um, they've won the league. They won the Munster Championship. I know they lost to Armagh in the final, the final, um, their final group game in the All Ireland series, but they were already true. So th- that's that's just a blip. You can totally forget that game. Um, this is the game that Cork have been targeting for, for a long time now, even though they mightn't say it publicly. They they know they can they have known this game is coming, so it's kind of um it's 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 such an important game for them. It's still quite a young uh, Cork team. You gotta remember that, like with the likes of uh, Eber and Dara Kiley, they're quite young. Emma Spillane, Melissa Duggan, she's young. Um the likes of Skibbereen's Laura Manny, who's on the panel, she's another another young player, so everything's not on the line because this Cork team will be here for a long time to come you know kind of I know they don't like to say but the transition it has been a transitional period over the last couple of years because they have um, lost the likes of the Rena Buckley's Breach Corkery's Deirdre O'Reilly's Vera Foley's all these kind of breed stacks all these stalwart players who have I suppose who led Cork to unprecedented dominance so um, even if Cork do lose on Sunday it's not the end of the world because this Cork team will come back again do I think they, they'll win I actually think they will um, there's so much firepower in, in this Cork team um, it's incredible like they think they scored 7-18 against Tyrone in the last game and Orla Finn didn't score a goal you know kind of it just highlights the, the number of scorers that they have in this team um, and that means there's a lot of match winners in the team as well so if Orla's kept quiet Darren O'Sullivan can pop up if Anya Terry's kept quiet you've Neve Cotter we haven't even mentioned Kira O'Sullivan who's probably one of the best players in, in, in the country and uh she doesn't get enough credit for what I think in a way kind of maybe sometimes the plaudits go to the top scorers but Kiro Sullivan is an absolutely phenomenal player. So yeah, I see enough match winners in this Cork team to think they're going to that they, they can do Jack on Sunday they can they can beat Dublin and they'll go into the, the final so that's something to look forward to Touchwood. Yeah, well uh, be sure to pick up a copy of Thursday's Southern Star where we'll have full in-depth build-up to the game. Now coming up after the break, we're going to be joined by Sky Sports Head of Boxing, Adam Smith. Thank you for listening to the Star Sports Podcast. Don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award-winning sports section that has everything a sports fan in West Cork could want. Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one, for sport in West Cork. We're delighted to be joined on the Star Sports Podcast by Adam Smith, Head of Boxing for Sky Sports and one of the best commentators you'll hear calling any sport across the globe. Adam is a regular visitor to West Cork with his family, as many of our listeners will know, and he's very kindly agreed to come on today's show to chat to us about his connection to the region, his life in boxing and the current state of the sport. Firstly, Adam, could you maybe tell our listeners about your connection to the region? I love West Cork. Um, 
it's it's like it's almost like coming home now because we've been uh, we've been coming as a family for many years. Uh, my father-in-law um, is the is the real connection. His mother was born uh, in Lana and brought up in Drina um, first few years of her life before she moved to to England. Uh, she married an Englishman and they uh, they got a cottage um, just by Karaliki Lake. Um, which is morning sun and it's a lovely little cottage with a nice little acre of land and uh, it's fantastic and it's a couple of miles outside of Drina and uh, I first came here they've had it for many years um, they've passed since and um, although uh, my wife Jo's grandmother lived till nearly 98 I think 97, 98 and uh, she was a wonderful woman uh, who I knew at the end of her life. Um, but it's been really important to me. Uh, we've come every year in the summer. We uh, we pack the bags, we pack the car up, we get the ferry over from um, Pembroke Dock over to Rosslare. We stay the night in Rosslare and then we sort of so make a day and a half trip over it. We stay a couple of weeks here. I normally sort of have to go back for like I am this week actually for uh, for some some boxing events, but um, the family normally spend uh, sort of two two and a half weeks here, and it's wonderful. You know, we just love it. We've got a lot of relatives. Um, there's you know cousins, as you know, there's cousins everywhere. Um, we're all really close. It's it's great seeing them. It's great getting to down to Skibbereen and to Kinsale, Clonakilty. Um, we, we've got a special connection with Glandor and Union Hall. We love it there. Um, so it's fantastic, and it's just uh, the cottage is lovely. It's really basic. It's um, you know sort of of a world from from the past um you know the, the fires are lit there's no tv there's no wi-fi there's um you know it's it's just lovely no phone it's just it's fantastic you can you can really relax and switch off and uh yeah it's uh, it's it's our it's our little sort of hideaway and it's a, it's a gem and we just love the people you know coming to skid market and or going to clon it's just it's it's fantastic and we um yeah we adore coming and the world of boxing, it's obviously one of the most craziest injury, uh, industries mm. anyone could ever anyone could ever think up. And so to get away from that, I guess, and the peace and serenity that you can get in West Cork, I suppose it's hard to beat. It is. I mean, obviously, people like talking boxing around here, which is great, but it is. It's, it's, it is. And I, I first actually came to this sort of area, or, or slightly further away, to, to Mill Street, when uh, Steve Collins and Chris Eubank fought. So I've always loved Ireland. Uh, my, my nana was from Leeds, but her, her family were, were Irish and from around the Dublin area. And so I've always had a, a connection with Ireland. Um, I just love the people. I love, I love the crack. I love the... The, the, the country's so beautiful and uh, yeah, especially West Cork it's just a, it's, it's a great area but you're right you know boxing is crazy I mean I literally before I came in here I had Eddie Hearn on the phone I, it is 24-7 it is uh, you have to sort of you know keep your eye on the ball all the time um, which is which is what makes it so fun and at times frustrating but it's unpredictable it's uh, it's dramatic, it's compelling at all times. There's something going on, whether it's the build-up, whether it's a fallout from a fight, or whether it's actually the action in the ring. Uh, and the fighters are the most pure and wonderful, um, you know, uh, guys and girls now, of course. Uh, women's boxing absolutely flying, and it's terrific. And uh, on August the 8th, which is next Thursday, it'll be 25 years for me at Sky Sports. So, um, yeah, a bit of a bit of a landmark. I can't believe it's been, uh, you know, over half my life, and... Um, yeah, I've loved it. I've loved every minute, and um, yeah, long may it continue. It's a, it's a, it's an incredible world to be in. Uh, a television world, uh, now obviously a digital and social world, and uh, and also a sport which is just so compelling and so gripping. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's part of all of us on our team. We're very close to the sport, and uh, yeah, we uh, we we love it. Well, you mentioned your 25 years then at Sky Sports, and I think it's fair to say that in that period. Boxing has enjoyed a global resurgence as a mainstream sport. I'm not giving Sky Sports all the credit, but it definitely had a role mm-hmm. to play between building up uh, some of the fighters, in particular in recent years, the likes of Anthony Joshua. Mm-hmm. But 
also reaching an audience through Sky mm-hmm. Sports News and your own show like Ringside that used to be broadcast. But is there any, say, one thing that you would put the global resurgence down to? Because I just want to kind of give you an example of how I've seen boxing really boom into the mainstream, especially in Ireland. For the Anthony Joshua Andy Ruiz Jr. fight uh, on June 1st, which AJ unfortunately lost his titles, my mother, who is not a boxing fan at yeah. all, she got up in the middle of the night to watch Brilliant. the AJ fight with me and she said it reminded her of when she used to get up to listen to the radio with her father to listen to the Muhammad Ali fights. And I'm not comparing Anthony Joshua to Muhammad Ali just yet, but that crossover to get people who have no interest in boxing from one end of the year to the other, that really says something about Anthony Joshua and also about the sport as a whole. So is there, I know it's impossible to put it down to one thing, but where, where, where would you see the, what, the reasons for it? I mean, I think the relationship between Sky and Matchroom has got a huge part. Um, also, my, my former boss, Barney Francis, the head of Sky Sports, a huge boxing fan. And, and you know, he, he decided uh, back in sort of 2011 sort of time that, you know, we'd be going up and down the UK uh, to leisure centres. There were small shows. I mean, when I started in 94, it was the Eubank World Tour. And then Frank Warren came in with the big guns. We signed a big deal with Nigel Benn and Nassim Hammond and, and, and uh, Frank Bruno and with his connection with Don King, Mike Tyson. So it was a real sort of, you know, great period there but it's when Sky was pretty small and as Sky grew then unfortunately boxing went through a slightly strange time it, it, it started to sort of fall off the back pages a bit and a lot of boxing was in leisure centres and you know we were up to, to Middlesbrough or down to Portsmouth or all around the place you know week in week out spending a lot of money on production costs very small audiences and trade fights and we had a lot of promoters at the time and they were all good you know McKennessy, Frank Maloney Ricky Hatton uh, you know and, and, and Matram obviously and, and Frank Warren being the sort of big gun at the time but it was um, it, it got more and more difficult, I think, to sort of keep audiences and we were spending a lot of money. So what we did was we decided to go. Frank went to Box Nation. He started his own uh, thing up there. And we decided to go with Eddie Hearn, who was just emerging out of Barry's shadows as a, someone who really loved boxing and wanted to make a mark. And he'd, he'd had this sort of experience with Audley Harrison fighting David Hay, which which end obviously ended badly for him. But ultimately, he got, he got a bit of a bug. He's always been a, a, a lifelong fan. And Eddie was a breath of fresh air. And I think he came in. Barney decided decided to, 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 to give me the chance of, of, of becoming the, the executive producer on boxing. And I think, you know, the London 2012 Olympics, you know, with AJ and Luke Campbell and uh, Anthony Agogo and these guys coming through, Nicola Adams is, is gold, Katie Taylor, of course, lighting up the games, carrying the flag, the wonderful atmosphere when she fought Natasha Jonas and winning the gold. And I think all of that sort of helped stem a new revolution in boxing. I think, you know, the, the, the fighters were coming from Sheffield, from Team GB. You know, they were, they were, they were bright, they were uh, articulate, they, were, they looked good, they were, they were fighting well. Rob McCracken did an amazing job there. And I think, you know, there was a few things. So, so the Eddie match from Sky Connection was, was really powerful. But I think a few, a few things happened after that. Frotch grows at Wembley with 80,000. Mayweather Pacquiao finally being made after all those years. You know, and then, you know, AJ coming through and sort of selling out Wembley and Cardiff, these huge stadium fights. And then, of course, the competition comes in because then Frank thinks, right, Box Nation to BT, I want some of the big stars great promoter himself he goes out and, 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 and links up with Tyson Fury and Billy Joe and those sort of guys Anthony Yard fighting Kovalev soon so yeah Josh Warrington a real renaissance over there as well and ITV come into the picture Channel 5 do DAZN have now sort of crashed through with the big money in America so I think now you know because because it was such a great ride and as you said your mum wants to watch it and or listen on the radio or whatever and, 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 and mine as well you know, my mum's got into it my family the, the casual fans yeah. have been hooked it's not just the trade fans 
I think also we've done quite a lot at Sky. We've we've gone to people like Andy Murray or Wayne Rooney in different sports, Rory McIlroy, who absolutely love the boxing, and we've sort of you know sort of pushed on them to help us a little bit as well and spread the word. And you know, it's uh, we work very well with all the other sports at Sky. Sky Sports, as you mentioned, is a massively powerful arsenal of of a promotional vehicle and, and great independent news as well. So they're fantastic. But we work really well with the business. And when a pay per view box office event comes around, you know, everybody sort of throws their bid in. Everybody. Has helps create everyone works together as a big team and I think that's why the big events come but the competition has really kept us on our toes there's lots out there we've got to be you know really clever now with with the way we're spending our money with the way we're pushing our fights a lot's happening in America we want to sort of bring you know the UK and Ireland back we want to bring big shows back here this side of the pond and I think that's important so yeah the uh, the sort of September to December period coming up is very exciting there's a lot of things that are going to happen and I think it will sort of just push us back from all, all this sort of late night in America. Well, that's still important, but we can't let you know that that ten o'clock at night UK time go. That's really vital to us. Yeah, well, I might ask you about what's going to come up in the rest of the year in a couple of minutes. But you just mentioned the big Wembley fight, so there was Frotch Groves, and of course the the one that really crossed over was AJ Klitschko, and a big part of that was your iconic commentary so when AJ just for those who haven't seen it or haven't heard it when AJ finally finished off the the legendary heavyweight Vladimir Klitschko Adam's line was lift off for AJ and it just it just it caught on and as a broadcaster do lines like that are they often pre-planned or sometimes does it just come to you in the moment because the gravitas of the moment is so great I I think it really just comes in the moment because you're so sort of carried away I mean one thing is obviously we have to be fiercely independent when we pick up the mic I mean I'm the head of boxing but I'm also you know a commentator and and have been and that's been really my trade and and when when we pick the mic up Matt Macklin myself Paulie Malanagi you know Tony Belli whoever's doing it at the time Carl Froch when we pick that mic up, we have to stay fiercely independent. And that's so important. And people think, oh, you're biased to matchroom fighters or you're biased to AJ. AJ's an ambassador for Scott. Obviously, the business wants him to do well. They want him to win. But, you know, when we pick up that mic, like with Andy Ruiz or Klitschko, you know. And so I think in that particular instance, you know, you, you, you work so closely over the eight, ten weeks beforehand. You think, well, what's going to happen if AJ wins, if Klitschko wins? You know, Klitschko will become a three-time champion. You know, all those sort of things go through your mind. But you don't actually sort of sit there and, and sort of script it. You sit there and think, okay that could happen whatever but actually when you're in the moment it just comes to you and, and I think there's been a few times like that which have stuck with me I think when Danny Williams won the British heavyweight title with one arm against Mark Potter you know that was a, a time I stood up um, from my seat and, and that just you know lost it completely um, I think there's times like that Corrales Castillo won probably the best fight I've ever commentated on you know Jim Watt and I on our feet and you know there, there are those moments and I think you just get so carried away and emotional with it but I think if Vladimir Klitschko had won in in, in, in similarly extraordinary circumstances you know having been down or whatever I think you know you, you would have gone with that and it was you know WK three-way three-time champion whatever you know you, you'd have thought of something there it's like how amazing this story is it's a Rocky-like story Vladimir Klitschko rules again or whatever but for AJ it just felt the right thing at the right time and I, I saw him sort of I, I felt that he was going to be sort of moved up so the liftoff sort of just came and yeah it's one of those things that you know, it's the spur of the moment, and you hope it. You hope it works. Yeah. Well, it certainly did on that occasion, and uh, I think it'll as be as many times it doesn't. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, we just uh, quickly, maybe I'll ask you about Ireland's most famous boxer at present, who yeah. I would say is undoubtedly Katie Taylor. Yeah, and I think her fame was even 
has grown since her fight against Delphine Pursuing, even though there was you know, some arguments as to whether she won the fight or not. Yep. Uh, my personal opinion, I didn't, I, I was like, possibly draw, possibly she lost. I didn't actually care about the result because the fight itself was so amazing. Like it was arguably a fight of the year contender, not just in female boxing, but boxing in general. So I think both of them deserved massive amounts of credit. And I thought it was nearly a disservice that all the talk post-fight was about the result rather than how good the fight was. But Katie Taylor, she is aligned to Sky. You obviously have a probably a fairly close working relationship with her. Two questions. When are we likely to see her fight again? And also the question you're probably asked every time you're in Ireland, will we ever actually see her fight on these shores or is she too big a draw now in the United States um, let's just go back a bit first of all I agree with you I think you know the talk about the the decision uh, overshadowed what was one of the greatest fights we've seen between two women and certainly that last round was absolutely incredible I mean you, you we're not meant to get too close to fighters you know there has to be that sort of you know journalistic sort of barrier but it's it's natural fighters are great and uh, we've all got a soft spot for Katie she's she's wonderful and I I've obviously followed her whole amateur career and, and when I saw her I, I sat with Johnny Nelson in amongst 10,000 Irish at uh, at the uh, at the XL during the Olympics in 2012, and the atmosphere with Natasha Jonas, um, I've said it before, was probably one of the top five atmospheres I've ever been at anywhere. And and she is a phenomenon. Um, you know, watching her film and and just I mean, knowing everything about her story, her, her incredible mom and and the family is is pretty fascinating in its own right. Um, but her dedication, her determination to dress up as a boy to to get through you know incredible difficulties to 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 get where she has. Uh, she's absolutely incredible she's a you know a tiger in the ring she's a choir girl out of it she, she's just lovely and yeah I am close to her and Brian Peters her manager and her whole team and um, and I'm a, a massive advocate for women's boxing you know Jane Couch was mentioned oh you didn't then back in the day but you know what I, Jane was a, a, a terrific fighter and she was great in her own right but Maybe the world wasn't ready yet and, and there wasn't the competition then, but but suddenly, you know, the the, the Olympics, really 2012 again with, with Nicola Adams. And I had a, uh, a scholar, Savannah Marshall, as well at Sky for, for many years. And, you know, we um, we tried to get her confidence up and get her winning a game, which was a, a great challenge. And she's a, a terrific girl and a fantastic fighter now as a pro. And I think, you know, you look at Chantel Cameron, Nicola Adams, you look at this and Natasha Jonas, look at the likes and Clarissa Shields over the other side of the water, Cecilia Bracus, Amanda Serrano, you know, obviously Delphine Bassone it's fantastic but Katie for me is the one that is just carrying the she's just got it all she's not only in my opinion the, the best fighter you know technically and, and talent wise but she's she's utterly dedicated she's wonderful outside the ring she's a phenomenal role model we had an event in Dublin a few weeks ago and you know people just got up there and they were in the audience and they were just they weren't even asking her questions they were just telling her what an inspiration she's been to their lives that she's changed their whole way of thinking that she's helped them with her children getting them structured and into into sport and I think she's amazing and I think I think she lost the fight against Delphine Persone and, and most people at ringside felt that um, it was close but um, it, it doesn't matter you know who, who really cares you know I mean Joe Calzaghe was unbeaten and my favorite fighter probably since you know Back, I don't know back when he was he was one, one of the greats and yeah I thought Robin Reed probably beat him that night in, in when they fought but you know it doesn't matter he sometimes Mayweather I thought lost to Castillo first time around <clears throat> doesn't mean he's not the greatest fighter to lace them up in our generation um, but he, he, she's fantastic Katie and you know maybe there was a little bit of luck of the Irish but it didn't really I agree with you it didn't really matter who won that night it was a great fight a great advert Katie's the unified champion she's a fantastic story 
they will fight again at some point. They will. She will fight Serrano. She's going to fight all of these uh, these girls now. No, no doubt about that. When she back, I, I'd like to see her back in October or November. I, I've told her I think she needs a little bit of a rest. She's back in training camp already in Connecticut. Cause, but she did have sort of five, six weeks back home in Bray. Um, but I think we'll bring her back. I'd like to see her brought back at least this side of the water, whether it's it's, it's Ireland or Britain. Um, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see her fight in Ireland. I think, um, you know, that's still a way off. Uh, we'll see what happens. But um, but yeah, I mean, look, she is a, an absolute, you know, iconic here. And hopefully the key for us now is to make her iconic globally. Okay, uh, Adam, I'm conscious of time. I don't want to keep you too long, but I just want to ask you, one last question on a more somber note. Yeah. Um, professional boxing has had a tough few weeks with the yeah. deaths of Maxime Dadishev and Hugo yeah. Santillon due to injuries sustained in the ring. And I suppose I just, in relation to life altering injuries and death in the sport, have you ever or do you ever struggle with the moral- morality even of being involved? We all know the dangers involved, people who watch the sport, people who are involved, people who fight amateurs. We all know the dangers, but we still, we can't, take ourselves away from it so just your point of view on that please absolutely i mean our thoughts first of all with with the families of of both of both fighters who he tragically lost in the last uh, you know couple of weeks and, and also with boxing's a small community you know there's there's often um, different you know promoters and managers and whatever but it's a small community and there's a couple of times a year the boxing writers at dinner the british boards awards and, and events like that and some in america too where you know you get together and you sort of forget about the politics and and one thing that also happened uh, in in recent days was the loss of Baron McGuigan's daughter um uh, Nika and and you know and and devastating absolutely devastating for the family and our thoughts are with Barry and and Sandra and Jake and Shane and everyone and it really is in Blaine it's 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 terribly sad look as far as the fighters getting into a ring they all know the danger um, Spencer Oliver is one of my closest uh, friends and colleagues in, in the sport and um, I was there when he was fighting for his life in the London Neurological Hospital and, and obviously never fought again after the Albert Hall fortunately Spencer made a 100% recovery due to the uh, amazing uh, nurse that he had in his corner who put him into a, a coma in the ring and basically reduced the swelling on the brain so when they got him to the operating table they gave him the best possible chance and he made a a, a, you know, 100% recovery. Others, others haven't. You know, Paul Ingalls made a, a good recovery, but but not 100%. And I think that, you know, that, that Michael Watson is what an amazing recovery he's made from from from, from almost not being with us for, in a coma for so long, and you know, a phenomenal sort of fight and whatever. But all those fighters who are still thankfully still with us would say they they do it all again, and they do it twice on a Sunday. That's what Spencer tells me week in week out. You know, I do it every day of the week and twice on a Sunday. They know the risks, they know the dangers. And it is tragic and it is a brutal sport. And all we can hope for is that the, you know, the, the medical uh, governing bodies, the sanctions, all of that around is, is the best it can possibly be. You know, I'm sure you're going to ask me or would have asked me about the drugs in the sport. I have no time for drugs in the sport at all. They, you know, the, the, the punishment should be should be as, as, as hard as they can be. You know, it is a very, very dangerous sport. I talk a lot to Andy Murray about this. You know, he wants more testing in tennis. Tennis is a, a, a physically tough and demanding and grueling sport, but you're not hitting each other on the head. And I think that's where... You know, testing in, 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 in boxing has got to improve. There's got to be more of it. There's got to be more blood testing. There's got to be more money spent on that because we have to eradicate drugs from the sport. Anything that, that, that can harm fighters going into a ring. And it is tragic, but they do know the risks. They do know the... Um, and, and as a sport, you know, it was very hard for me. I was a year in at Sky and James Murray tragically died. And I'd spent three days with him before the fight. Um, 
him and his, his, his girlfriend were showing me around Glasgow and that I found really hard to come to terms with when he lost to Drew Doherty and then lost his life it was horrendous but I went back to see James Murray's mum about a year later and went to his grave and and I said, "Did you know? Can you can you ever forgive boxing?" And she said, "Boxing didn't kill my son, James Murray. James Murray would have died in the in the in the estate and and the, the drug infested estate that that we you know he got he got involved in or could have got involved in. But boxing had saved him and had given him the discipline and had given him hope. So I love boxing still. And for her to say that as a mum made me think, you know what? For all the difficulties and the dangers and the the occasional deaths and the tragedies we have, and, and they there are too many. There are always too many, and that happens in other sports too." And, and everybody has to watch their own sport to see what we can do to, to try and prevent it or try and help it as much as possible. But it is going to happen once in a while. But when she said those words that boxing saved my son, you know, it does so much good with the kids off the streets and giving them dedication and discipline and structure that there will always be a place for boxing, providing it is governed as best we can. And the medical um, you know, side of it is, 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 is constantly improving. And I think it has. I think the British board have done a phenomenal job on that front. I think it is much safer than it was. But you can never, never say it's a totally safe sport because it's, um, you know, it is what it is. And it's, it's very, very tough. But it is a community and, and our hearts go to, to those that have fallen and, um, you know, may they rest in peace. And on that note, Adam, you've been absolutely brilliant with your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you on the Star Sport podcast. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. A pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Star Sports podcast. Don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award-winning sports section that has everything a sports fan in West Cork could want. Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast and coming up very soon, August 25th to 2019 World Rowing Championships will get underway. And as always, there's plenty of West Cork interest in these. Kieran, what can we expect to see? Um, these World Rowing Championships this year, Jack, it's the year out from the 2020 Olympics. So these World Rowing Championships, they double up as the main qualification event for Tokyo 2020. What that means is that crews can qualify their boat for next year's Olympics. So hopefully, um, going well this weekend, we could have a couple of skibbereen rowers on the verge of taking part in next year's Olympics. Um, first off, the lightweight double, we have Paul O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy. Um, they will compete in the lightweight double. That's the boat that Paul and Gary won silver in at the Rio Olympics three years ago. So um, Gary's not in the boat at the moment. Um, it's Paul and Fintan, uh, two skib rowers. So they have a very good chance of getting through. Um, I see when the entry came out there last week that there's a huge, um, that there's a huge, 33 nations are actually taking part in the lightweight men's double. And I think it's the top 11 will get through um, at these world championships so you can see from that Jack the competition for places is huge um, so hopefully Paul and Fintan can go well and get that lightweight double to the Olympics next year um, Gary O'Donovan not in that double is competing in the single at these world rowing championships Gary still has his target set on getting back into that double um, first thing that double has to qualify for the Olympics and then after that let the fun begin let, let, let Gary Paul Fintan and even Jake McCarthy battle it out for those two seats in the boat for Tokyo next year but the main thing is to get for Paul and Fintan to qualify that Irish double um, in, at these world championships plenty of other interest Shane O'Driscoll and Marco Donovan will be competing in the 
in the men's pair. Um, of course, Shane and Mark won the lightweight pair at the World Championships. Go back two years ago. They were the best lightweight pair in the world. But the lightweight pair is not an Olympic class boat. So Shane and Mark have had to move to the to the pair, which is the heavyweight pair, to try and get to the Olympics. So um, they're going to try, obviously, and and get to Tokyo through this World Championships. They'll find it tough, though. They will find it very tough, if, if we're being honest. Um, the women's lightweight double will see Aoife Casey and Denise Walsh together. Um, Aoife is daughter of Dominic Casey, who is coach for the Rowing Ireland lightweight team. And Denise then is a very experienced rower. Again, the two of them are from Skib. Um, we have Emily Hegarty as well, who will be competing in the women's four. Um, so, yeah, so that's... They're alone. I think that's what... that's. There's eight rowers from Skibreen going to these World Rowing Championships. Um, but just to kind of, I suppose, to point out as well that you can qualify for the Olympics through these World Rowing Championships, but there is a back door next year. There will be final Olympic qualification regattas in 2020. So as as important as it is to kind of, I suppose, for preparation to kind of get to the Olympics at the first time of asking, because then you can... I suppose you can shape your, your, your training for the next 12 months on peaking towards Tokyo 2020 if it doesn't go right for, for whatever reason at the World Rowing Championships in Austria over the next week or so there's always the fallback plan of the of the final Olympic qualification we get as next year um, record numbers in Linz um, at these worlds so competition will be fairly tough but I'm going to go back again it, it's it's Paul and Finton that we're really looking at um, Paul and Finton they won silver at the recent World Cup regatta in in Rotterdam, which was their first their first race together. So it was it was quite encouraging. So not a bad start. Yeah, not a bad start. If they can, like they don't have to win on um, at uh, at the World Rowing Championships. Like you just have to qualify the boat. Being the rowers that they are, of course they want to win. They want to win gold, you know. But the most important thing I think is just get that boat qualified, and then we'll see what happens. Okay, we'll watch this space, and of course, as always. We'll have full coverage of all the rowing in this week's Southern Star and on southernstar.ie. So thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast this week. We'll be back at the same time next week. So if you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Acast, Stitcher or wherever else you listen to the show. Thank you for listening to the Star Sports Podcast. Don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award-winning sports section that has everything a sports fan in West Cork could want. Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork.